You're listening to Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes Wednesdays and Saturdays. Follow Hockey to Heroin on Twitter. That's at Hockey, the number two heroin for updates and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. Brady Leavitt, like any other Canadian kid, his dream was to play in the National Hockey League. Success came easily to Leopold as he began to turn heads in the junior leagues. Well, he passed for Long, he's got Leopold with him, Long walks in, Sanders, goal! Leopold's a right-hand shot, rotates, and then sends it along, back to Leopold, And here we go, right off the bat, a fight ensues, and it's Leopold and Curran, they're both getting in shots. Now Leopold throwing right after right and just connecting like crazy. Once I met heroin, I mean, it was just, that became my new passion. What's the reason that young people who are athletes get addicted to heroin? They injure themselves, and they're more likely to be prescribed an opioid. And once addicted, many are going to switch over to heroin because it's much more cost-effective. And the effects that they produce in the brain are indistinguishable. When we talk about painkillers, we're essentially talking about heroin pills. Another edition of Hockey to Heroin, the road to recovery, guys. This is episode number 37, 13 away from number 50. Count them down, guys. That one's going to have, of course, my dad, Brian. I'm, I'm like freaking out about that one a little bit, I'll be honest. Uh, but I'm actually really excited about it. Uh, guys, hopefully uh, you're listening to this Saturday morning, first thing on the Hockey Podcast Network. You guys can check them anywhere out on social media at Hockey Podnet. Uh, and of course, uh, on their website, www.thehockeypodcastnetwork.com. Guys, they have, of course, 31 podcasts, one for every NHL team. And then I think we're up to six, six bonus content, uh, such as Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery, Tales with TR, a hockey podcast, Ice Analytics, House of Hockey, uh, among others, guys. Uh, I always forget about the Fourth Line uh, podcast. I don't know why, uh, but it's uh, it's it's a great podcast. Give it a listen. It's also on the network. Um, that's the featured podcast on the network for the month, guys. So check it out, uh, guys. Unfortunately, once again, I'm not recording in the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio, but my trusted friend, Matt Thompson, uh, I talk to him every day still. He's uh, making his way down here soon, depending on if uh, I'm heading to Edmonton in the next week or so. We are planning to get Matt down here, uh, do some fishing, and of course, finish up the Matthew Lashinsky Memorial Studio. If you're a first-time listener... Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Matthew Lashinsky. Matthew Lashinsky was born in 1987. Uh, he was drafted by the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds in the second round of the OHL Priority Selection Draft in 2002. He broke into the OHL as a 17-year-old, played a parts of two seasons before running into some troubles off the ice. Uh, and he battled with mental health and addiction. His story was much like mine. 
Uh, I never got to meet this young man. Uh, we lost him in 2017 to an overdose. And uh, I don't know why, um, why he's gone and I'm not. I, I honestly don't. Uh, and when Matt told me the story, um, like I said, I didn't know Matt Thompson. I never knew Matthew Lashinsky. And when Matt Thompson heard the podcast, he reached out to me and told me the story. And I say this every podcast, guys, and I say it every podcast. I will continue to say it. We will never forget about Matthew Lashinsky, along with so many others like Mitch Fadden. Uh, guys, the list goes on and on. And uh, it's, it's terribly sad. Guys like Terry Trafford. Uh, the, the amount of suicides... Uh, and drug-related deaths in the hockey community, it's appalling to me. Uh, and I feel very lucky that I'm not one of them. And because of that, guys, it is now my mission, it's my life's work to uh, shed some light on it in the hockey community. And if I can just help save one life, uh, then all the hell that I've gone through will have been worth it. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my friend Steve Buckley, as I often do, down in Beaverton, Oregon. Uh, he is the owner and operator of Five Hooligans Media. He's done uh, quite a bit of work for me, all volunteer work. Uh, thank you so much to Steve, all of his tireless and hard work, uh, not only for myself, but for the Puck Support Foundation as well. Um, Steve has recently put together a sizzle reel. Um, has footage of his son and myself uh, to put forward to um, producers, uh, investors, that sort of thing uh, as a documentary piece. Uh, we're going to get some more footage from guys like Josh Gratton uh, to go in that sizzle reel, um, among others. Uh, but I mean, it's not footage for the actual film, it's just to get interest. So. If you're listening and you think uh, that this story needs to be told, it's not just my story. It is uh, many other people's stories, guys, girls in the hockey community, players, coaches, uh, parents as well. Um, we want to make it happen, guys. We want to make a difference. Um, so if you're listening and you think it's a good idea or you think you can help and get involved, please reach out to me uh, at Hockey to Heroin anywhere on social media or you can look up my friend Steve Buckley at 5 Hooligans Media. Um, guys, I mentioned, uh, that I'm, you know, looking at making a comeback, just a senior men's hockey playing for the Maxwell Mustangs. That, that is Matt Thompson's team. He's a co-owner of that team. I'm looking forward to it. My journey, uh, to my, uh, comeback has started. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Josh Gratton. Uh, I made a post about needing shoes and actually, um, there's been a couple people that have reached out to me and I didn't want to accept money. I just wanted to do something. But Gratz uh, wouldn't take no for an exception. The guy sent me a hundred bucks so I could go buy shoes. I haven't gone to buy them. I'm going to go out either tomorrow morning uh, or Sunday morning because uh, I kind of live in the middle of nowhere and there's not really anywhere to buy shoes around me. Uh, so I got to make a trip into Huntsville. I go into Bracebridge every day, but there's not a whole lot. There's no winners, no nothing. I got to go to Huntsville. So uh, thank you to Josh Gratton, former NHL enforcer. I call him a guardian. Took care of his uh, teammates. Uh, he's uh, been a great friend, a great role model, and a great teacher. Guys like himself and Riley Cote, um, and along with uh, a new friend in Tanner Wilshaw at uh, the, final, uh, the Final Shot podcast. Uh, and he's teamed up with Sovereign Extracts, uh, the king of clear, guys. Uh, 
They have everything from uh, CBD, full spectrum CBD, to you know THC drops, to flower products, to uh, you know if you're looking for CBD with no THC, if you don't want the effects of uh, you know feeling high or anything, they have everything, guys. Uh, check it out, Sovereign Extracts. Um, they've sent me a bunch of stuff, and uh, I've been taking CBD now for what two weeks. I feel incredible. Uh, I've been taking my THC drops and I've talked a lot about it guys. I am, uh, you know, I'm in recovery and I'm in my own state of recovery and I'm going to get into that. Uh, but you know, I've been smoking cannabis. It has helped me tremendously get off the hard drugs. Uh, but recently I've been more mindful about my use. Um, and it's interesting. And actually I would say that my smoking has, my smoking cannabis has gone down by at least 75%. So I want to say thank you to Tanner Wilshaw and Sovereign Extracts. Uh, incredible stuff. The way that I'm feeling um, is amazing. Uh, it's not just that, guys. It's the way that I'm eating. Uh, I haven't really kicked it into high gear as far as training, and I don't think that's going to be for a while. I mean, I'm going to start training, but I mean, as far as high gear where I used to be, let's be honest. Uh, it's going to take a while, um, but you know, uh, probably Monday morning I'm going to start getting my regimen of training and there's going to be no ifs, ands, or buts. No, um, I'm going to have accountability because listen, I come on here and I say I'm going to do something or I make a video and then I have to do it because otherwise I look, like a I look like a fucking liar and I don't want to be a liar. So, you know, it gives me a little bit of accountability and it makes me push myself, call it what you want, uh, but I need to find ways to motivate myself and I guess, hey, if it works, it works. Um, but listen, I feel great. I really want to say thanks to Tanner and uh, guys like Josh and Riley for educating me uh, and making me aware of um, all the different you know, uses of, of the plant medicines um, aside from just smoking because that is all I knew. And I mean, aside, yeah, I took a few gummies and edibles here and there just because I thought it was different and cool and hey, look at me, I'm doing... No, 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 no. It's all about respecting the process, respecting the plants, uh, learning about it, because our bodies have a whole system about uh, for the plant guys, like like hemp and cannabis, like eating it, digesting it. Um, it's really interesting, and if you don't know anything about it, I strongly suggest you do some research, um, because we've grown up in a society where you know drugs are bad, and listen, yeah, drugs are bad, drugs are horrible. But you know what? Plants like cannabis and hemp and stuff, it's a natural plant. And uh, I'm not going to get into it too much, guys. Um, but listen, before you knock it and before you just, you know, we're all kind of brainwashing. I was like that too. Listen, you, you, I put it this way. Riley Cote put it this way. Our whole lives we were told that these things are bad, like marijuana, cannabis. You know, our parents tell us it's bad. Our teachers tell us it's bad. The law enforcement tell us it's bad. Uh, everyone's saying it's bad, bad, bad. But the fact of the matter is when used properly uh, in the right sense um, and with intention and mindfulness, guys, it has endless benefits. And that is what I quickly want to get in uh, to the next thing. And this is going to bring up some controversy. And I've talked about it a little bit in microdosing mushrooms. And I had Riley Cote on twice. He was on the podcast twice uh, to talk about this and to educate myself and the listeners a little bit more about it. 
And I mean, off the air, I've done a ton of research before I, you know, decided to embark on this journey. But listen, I am, today was my third day of microdosing. I will come on and I will say it because I haven't had a podcast since then. Uh, I want to be very careful with how I go about this because it's a delicate situation. Uh, but however, before anybody jumps, if you want to turn it off and say, oh, you're not clean, you're not doing go ahead. If that's the way you view me, I don't want you to listen to my podcast anyways. Because listen, I've tried everything for the last 12 years. Everything. To stay clean, to be happy, um, to not be depressed. Um, and I failed miserably. And here I have something that's natural with a ton of research backing it. Um, and a lot of guys that I trust um, that are showing me the way. And, and I'll tell you too that I talked to a naturopathic doctor as well as my psychiatrist, as well as my mental health counselors before doing all of this. So it's not like I just jumped into it. It's not like I went and picked some mushrooms, guys. I actually got a sponsorship from microdosemushrooms.com. You guys want to learn more about microdose mushrooms? If you're 19 years and older, I strongly suggest looking into it, at least getting the information so that you can make an educated decision for yourself. It may not be for everybody, but let me tell you that there is proven research by some of the the most world-renowned scientists, and they're using it too. MMA fighters are microdosing before they fight. Athletes are using it before they they are uh, training and performing at like elite levels, guys. Uh, people in Silicon Valley are doing it. Now, this is not to get high, you know. Um, if I wanted to take 10 pills or 20 pills that I got of the microdose, could I get high? Sure, I could misuse it but I don't even wanna misuse it. That's the whole thing. It's like, I'm only three days in guys and I wanna get into the episode, but I'm only three days and I wanna share this with you guys. Since starting this, I have become more mindful. This morning I went out, I did some meditation and some breath work. Today I did journaling, I wrote. Man, I feel great, you know? And I just feel everything's just a little bit lighter, a little bit brighter, I'm a little bit happier. It's sort of like a natural antidepressant. There's no hallucinations. You don't feel high. Um, you sort of don't even notice it. And uh, I'm just really excited about it, guys, because you know what? It's a natural occurring substance. And uh, it's just exciting with all the new research. And uh, listen, I know it's going to cause some controversy. But you heard Riley Cote. If you want to go back, listen to episode 31 and 32. This is an NHL, former NHL hockey player enforcer. Uh, he is a found, the founder of Athletes for Care, Hemp Peels Foundation. This guy runs clinics in the States, hockey schools for kids. And part of the hockey school is educating the kids on hemp and cannabis. And not smoking it, but eating it in the non-THC properties for health properties. This guy is educating the kids so that they can get the proper information so that when they get older, that they know what they're doing. They know what they're getting their hands on. And that when they get injured, they're not going to turn to Oxycontins or morphines or whatever. They're going to know that that's not right and that there's other alternatives. And maybe the plant alternatives aren't right for them. But guess what? At least they're educated 
and now they can make the right decision because I'll tell you what, I had no education, not on pharmaceuticals, not on plant medicines, not on any of it. So guess what? What Riley Cote doing is revolutionary and I will support it. And what I, what he, what he is doing, I think is truly important. And where we are at today, guys, it's 2020. It's time to start looking forward. It is time to start looking forward. If you are not, I strongly suggest that you do. But let's get into the episode. Um, you know, if you're going to hate on me for microdosing mushrooms, by all means do it. But guess what? I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing this for my recovery. And ultimately, I'm doing this to share my experience with you, the listeners. And I promise you, I promise you, the second that it doesn't work, the second that I misuse it, the second that I don't like the way I'm feeling, you're going to hear the truth come from me. And uh, that's it. That's where we're at. And uh, so guys, go to microdosemushrooms.com for all the information. They have everything there that you need to know, as well as the great products. And we have a promo code. If you sign up right now, you can go to their website. You sign up, you get 20% off. But if you use promo code H2H20, that's hockey to heroin 20, H2H20 going forward, you will get 20% off for the rest of time. (laughs) As long as I'm linked up with them, as long as I like the product, as long as I believe in microdosing and I'm on this journey, guess what? 20% off. Check it out. But before you do, guys, before you jump into this, do what I did, get educated, and make sure that you know you're being mindful about what you're eating. Are you ready to train? Are you ready to you know do some work on yourself, like journaling and counseling and whatever it entails for your journey? That's all I want to say. I am not trying to defend myself because really I don't give a shit. I've made the decision, and if you're with me, you're with me. If you're not, I'm really sorry. But guess what? I got a whole team of people that are, and we're gonna change the world. And I hope you're with us. I really do. Um, anyways, guys, um, that's it. I think, uh, let's get in to episode number 37 and this one's going to be extremely interesting. This is a lifelong friend guys. Um, without further ado, let's get right into it guys. Um, so interesting enough, uh, we go back to Swift Current for this one. I've had a lot of Swift Current Bronco alumni, um, this guy was actually born in Speedy Creek, where life makes sense, they say. Uh, listen, I love my time in Swift Current. It really is a great community. Uh, I couldn't fully appreciate it, uh, maybe as a teenager, but I've talked about it with guys like Mike Hangen, who we played there together. Um, and now that we're dads, uh, we have families of our own. We're like, that would really be a great community to raise a family in. So this guy, uh, was born in Swift Current, uh, but moved away at the age of six uh, to the town of Maple Ridge. Uh, he grew up playing for the Ridge Meadows Rustlers AAA program all the way through, battled this guy in minor hockey. Uh, he left the Rustlers to go play the Notre Dame Hounds out in Saskatchewan, pretty prestigious program. I also hear the place is haunted, so I want to talk to him about that. Uh, Played junior hockey for the Grand Forks Border Bruins, the Crescent Valley Thundercats, a little bit with the Vernon Vipers. Guys, let me take a sip of my tea. I think I have a problem with my throat. Now, guys, uh, he's a general manager for uh, the Comox Valley Dodge dealership out 
on beautiful Vancouver Island. Uh, we're going to bring him in, guys. He's had to deal with quite a bit of tragedy over the last few years, including uh, a tragic, tragic overdose of his younger brother. Um, one of many that was taken to the opioid crisis. And, uh, I mean, I can't imagine what his family went through. Um, like I say, guys, uh, since I started this journey, uh, I've heard a lot of stories. Um, and, and not only since I started this journey, just with the life I was living, I've lost a lot of friends, a lot of acquaintances. And every day I have to ask myself, why, why not me? And, uh, you know, I want to talk to Carson a little bit about that. Um, so let's bring him in without further ado. Uh, from beautiful Courtney, British Columbia, out in my home province of British Columbia, my longtime friend, Carson Grant. Carson, welcome to Hockey to Heroin, bud. Hey, Brady. Thanks, uh, thanks, buddy. That's awesome. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's great, to, great to hear your voice. And, you know, I've been, uh, I've been following you uh, since episode one. And, it seems like uh, things are really moving in the right direction for you. So it's great to have, uh, great to be on, and I greatly appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Cars. No, I mean, listen, it's no, I, I'm not going to sit here and, uh, and and try to say that things haven't been going great for me. Like, simply they have, and I've been very, very lucky. Um, I have to take a moment to remind myself how lucky I am. And every morning I remind myself just how grateful I, I literally open my eyes every morning, Carson. I take a big deep breath um, as soon as I, I leave the bedroom and I'm just like, man, I'm alive and I'm clean and I don't have to wake up um, and use drugs today. And uh, it's nothing short of a miracle. Um, we're going to get into that more here in a few minutes. Um, but let's get into the hockey stuff. I mean, this is a hockey based podcast. Uh, I don't talk, I don't talk too much, um, about, I mean, I do talk about hockey, but I mean, listen, that's where it all started for the both of us. Um, you know, and and hockey, we talk, I talk a lot about, um, some of the negative things, but let's not kid ourselves. Hockey has provided us both and millions of people, if not hundreds of thousands of the lucky people that have gotten to play it over the years with so many uh, tremendous life building skills. But let's get get into your uh, experience. Walk us through um, your first experience of of hockey and uh, your very first memory of uh, maybe lacing up the skates and getting a stick in your hand. Wow. Yeah. Um Obviously, yeah. Like you, like you mentioned uh, before, I, I jump into that. You know, you you mentioned something in your intro saying, um, you know, why wasn't it me? And um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you this is that um, I think everything everything happens for a reason. Uh, you know, good, bad, and the ugly. And uh, you know, there there's a reason why why it wasn't you. And I think that what you're doing right now is is extremely powerful and you know uh if you can help one person that's that's key with with uh your life experiences or or mistakes uh, and we all have them so um you know i just wanted to say that and clear that up right off right off the get-go um and to get get into uh your question about where it started you know obviously you playing in swift current you know that it's 
it's uh, it's farm country, and, and you're either a farmer or you're a hockey player. So, um, you know, born in Swift Current, Saskatchewan, and, and uh, you know, dad loved hockey, and, and we went. I remember dad bringing me to, to hockey games when I was just a, a little kid, uh, Swift Current Broncos, and I thought, you know, it was the NHL, you know, and, and these guys were, you know, I idolized them, and, and I knew right then, then and there that that was, uh, that was what I wanted to, to be. And, and, uh, so I started, started playing, uh, you know, I started skating, uh, when I was three years old, started playing hockey when I was four and, uh, mom, mom and dad moved out here when I was, uh, six years old. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was, it was great. It was, it was just kind of second, second nature. It was just something that I fell in love with, like, uh, many, Canadians do and uh, uh, same with yourself and you know as soon as you you put on those skates and and you get with the guys uh, they, they couldn't keep me off the ice and and that's kind of when it started off and at a very young age and it progressed right through to uh, to my teenage years which uh, we can get into in a little bit here. Yeah, well we can we can kind of jump right into that. I mean pretty much uh it's it's kind of interesting. I've actually kind of wanted to talk to you about this bef- uh, quite a bit because um, if I remember correctly, uh, when we were younger, now you're a year older than me, and, and like Maple Ridge and yep. Port Coquitlam are, are, you know, a couple towns apart and, and, and rivals. Yep. But, but if I remember correctly, Carson, you were one of, if not uh, the best, I mean, like when you're 10, 11, 12... Um, you know, nine, ten, eleven. Uh, you're you're the be- one of the best around at that age, and I mean, even going into to Pee Wee and, and Bantam, uh, still very skilled. But did you find that guys started to catch up to you? Um, because I I've talked to a lot of guys about this, and and I this happened to me as well, and I kind of just, um. I kind of, I don't know, I just kind of stuck with it, I guess. But I got very discouraged about the time I was, I would say, 12 to 13. because, And I'll be honest, this is is hilarious. And and I don't know if you can relate to this because I hit puberty at a very young age. Or or very, not a very young age, uh, sorry. Um, not a very young age. It was sort of in the later, latter stage. So, uh, you know... Peewee Bantam, you're starting to get a little more physical, a little more hit. Guys get big. You start to get man, man, child, man, children in the dressing room, hairy <laughs> armpits, the whole things. Uh, you guys are shaving when they're 12, 13. I didn't have to shave till I was 25. Um, but guys are just bigger, stronger, faster. Um, and there's sort of that time period where, man, I almost wanted to quit hockey because I was like, you know what, I'm not the the really the best anymore everybody's kind of caught up. Um, did you go through that at all? Because I remember, if I remember correctly, you were like lights out when you're like 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, well, I appreciate that, but I, I, I don't think, um, you know, I, I didn't see myself as that, you know, I was, I was a little bit of a perfectionist. So I was always, you know, always working on my game and working on my, I, I knew that I was a smaller player, uh, same, same as yourself. And, and I knew that I needed uh, to to be faster. I needed to be more skilled uh, to to make a difference. And 
you know, I worked hard at it, but yeah, you, you know what? You're right. I, I got a lot of, uh, a lot of attention at a young age. Um, you know, nine, 10, 11 to probably about 13 or 14. Um, and, uh, it, it, it took a toll on me, uh, mentally, you know, and, and, you know, it's, uh, I struggled with it because, you know, it was, it was mentally exhausting just trying to, you know, you, you would hear things or, or, or parents talking or, and, you know, you know, the hockey parents, they're, uh, they're probably, especially up here in Canada, they're probably the most interesting and, uh, most intense, uh, individuals that you'll, you'll ever meet in a, in a, in a child's uh, sporting facility. But, um, you know, it's, you, you hear them talking and, and rumblings about, uh, yourself and you're at such a young age and it, it, it does take a toll on you on a negative way. And, I felt that there was a lot of pressure, uh, to perform, um, at, at that young age. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a little bit different. I, I moved away from home when, you know, I played triple A hockey through, through Ridge Meadows and that's where you and I played, uh, played against each other. And, um, dad, uh, dad, uh, you know, dad and I decided to, uh, that, that Notre Dame, uh, we, we got kind of accepted into this, uh, uh, prep school, I guess, and uh, in Wilcox, Saskatchewan, and I thought it was a great idea, and I, I begged my dad to go, and I thought that was the kind of the next step for me to, to move on with my career, and, you know, everybody's kind of talking about Bantam drafts and, and whatnot, and the stress of that kind of coming on, too, and, you know, you take a look at, I, I still go and watch games now in minor hockey, and you see, you see the worried faces specifically on, you know, the Bantam, the 13, 14 year olds, you know, they want something so, so bad. And you've got their parents right in the, in the corners kind of cheering them on and they want it just as bad. Now it's changed uh, uh, since you and I grew up, you know, there was a lot more, uh, you know, there's a lot more nutrition and, and, and diets and whatnot. Um, uh, workout and summer workouts and, and what not. We, we didn't really have that back then. It was kind of just hit the ice and, and play, which was, which was great. So, uh, yeah, I thought that that was the best, uh, best route for me to, to get away. And, um, it, it was definitely interesting, you know, leaving home at 14 and staying in a dorm, uh, in the middle of nowhere, uh, at 40 below weather in Wilcox, Saskatchewan. But, uh, like, like I mentioned earlier in, in uh, in the podcast here is that, uh, you know, everything happens for a reason and, and I'm extremely grateful for everything that has happened to me in my life. And I feel that that's what, that that's what makes you. Yeah. And Carson, that's a great point. Uh, I want to get back. Well, I mean, we could, we could talk about it a little bit right now with the Wilcox, uh, because listen, I, I've had, you know, guys I played with, um, uh, played against and, and talked to that have gone through that, that program. And, um, guys have told me that it's haunted. Is this just a myth? <laughs> Did you see any ghosts in Notre Dame? Well, well, you know what? It's uh, I've heard I've heard all all the stories, right? Um, and you know, obviously, being there as a grade nine and grade a grade nine student, uh, you're the youngest student in the in the school. It goes from grade nine to grade twelve. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, you know, they, they try to spook you, they try to scare you a little bit, but I never was really one to kind of buy into that stuff. I never experienced anything like that, but, um, 
you know, they, they, they try to, they try to kind of throw you off your game. And, and I think it's more of an excitement thing for, for the, the, the individuals that are, are stuck there on campus because to be honest with you, I'm not sure if you've been to Wilcox, but you know, there's, you, you can hit a golf ball from one side of the town to the other. So it's, there's not much to, to do, but to get into trouble or, or to, to get into other people's minds. So <laughs> that's a good point. And yeah, it would, I guess when you're, you know, you're senior, if you're a senior there or whatever, a couple of years there, you're just messing with it. That'd be like the rookie initiation. I never thought of that. That'd be kind of funny. Um, but those guys kind of had it, you know, the idea long before, cause now, I mean, listen, I've been removed from the hockey world as a whole, from the minor hockey, from the junior, from the pro, um, for years now. And so, you know, even this hockey one, two, three, four is, is fairly new to me. And that's how, yeah. that's how yeah. old, I, that's how old, like how long I haven't been around for really. And, um, you know, it's a lot has changed with these kids and, and the, like you said, with the, the way that nutrition is handled and, and it just seems you're right. There's so much pressure there, but like, yeah, the, all these prep schools, I'm not sure if they, they're doing it the right ways because I don't know enough about it, but it seems like they have the right idea. Um, but again, I, I'm not sure all this stress and pressure is the right the right way. And Cars, I want to ask you something because you weren't drafted in the Western Hockey League. I wasn't drafted into the Western Hockey League. And I mean, like you said, you know, you you just said you go to rinks and you watch Bantam players and you could see the concern looks on the I be, yeah I know I we were those players too yeah. and, and our parents were yeah. those parents too and um, yeah. I, I think I think you can't help but want like now that I'm a parent you're a parent you can't help but want your parent your kids to succeed and and it that world is so cutthroat but I mean I really think everybody and I, the people have been saying this for years. But, like, people really need to start paying attention and listen. Like, let's all take a step back and realize that these are kids and this is a game. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think that's the biggest thing, too, right? And, and you know, um, you know, my, my dad always always said, hey, Carson, as soon as you don't have fun, you don't need to do it anymore. But, I, but on, in the same breath, I knew that, you know, hockey was our thing. That was our... That was what uh, you know had had the same passion both of us and and we we grew together and and we were best buds you know and it, it just the same as, as yourself and and uh, and and uh, Brian there like it was just you became you become uh, so close because of the sport and you know you and I'm sure that you feel the same or you felt the same uh, Brady is that you wanted to. You know, you wanted to make your dad proud. You wanted to make your parents proud of you. And, you know, I, I think that in today's world, um, you know, uh, the parents, they, they really have to kind of open up their eyes. And it's, it's changed my, my way of how I raise my children, uh, you know, and, and making sure that they're having fun. Uh, fun is the number one thing. And as soon as the fun is taken out of it, um, uh, I, I don't care if if I love whatever they're doing. My my daughters are in dance right now, and and I always tell them, I say, you know, if, if you're not having fun, uh, you need to tell me because I, you know, it's not about me; it's about you. And and um, they always ask. My oldest always says, Dad, why are you always asking that? You know, and I says, well, I just I just want you to be happy, and you know, and I think that's that's just it. And I and it's no different than our parents. I think they just wanted us to be happy, and I think that. 
you know, with hockey, we were so, so dialed into to hockey. That was life. You weren't know? we? Uh, like, holy shit, weren't we? Isn't it crazy it was, how dialed was, in you were as was, a kid? Like, I can imagine, oh. like, I didn't know you that well as a kid, but I can imagine you're the same. Like, I can imagine it's the same. Like, that that was my entire existence. You? Like. Yeah, absolutely. And he, even, even in the summertime, right? Like, you'd go down and have the same crew, same hockey guys, and you'd go and find a tennis court and play roller hockey till yeah man till nighttime and then wake up and do it all over again so um yeah you know when i think sports are great i think that sometimes uh parents can take it a little bit too far uh especially today and and to touch on you know the academies now uh nowadays uh you know things have changed things have changed uh so drastically and and uh, it's, it's, it's a little scary because, you know, uh, parents and, and, uh, their children, they're, they're putting all the chips in, in, in the pot, you know, and they're, you know, they're taking out loans to jump into these, these academies. And, uh, I'm not sure if you know this, but I, you know, at a young age, I was, uh, uh, you know, mid twenties and I, uh, I was asked from a friend of mine, actually a mutual friend of ours, Bobby Vermette he kind of linked me up with someone to, uh, and I became a uh, amateur scout for the Victoria Royals. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, I saw it all the time is that, and I used to tell, I used to tell these parents, is, you know, you don't need to go to these academies. If you're, if your kid's good enough, uh, you know, scouts will find them, you know, and then that's the truth. But, uh, you know, and then I'm sure that there's going to be some academies out there that are going to be like, why in the hell are you guys? Why you? Why in the hell, Brady? Do you have this guy talking? But uh, that's the truth. It, it's still a business, right? Uh, yeah, like I, I tend to agree with you. And you, you look at guys like Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg. Like the Detroit Red Wings found those guys in Timbuk fucking too. And look at those guys. Like, um, you know, yeah. you're. It, listen, if you are good enough to play in the Western Hockey League, even and especially the NHL, you, you'll get found. However, what I will say is that if you can bring um, the best players together at any age group and you put them on the ice, then those players are going to lift the level of each other up and, and possibly make them better. And if you 100%. So it's kind of, but at the same time, I, I see where you're coming from because that to me can't possibly be what's going on because there's so many academies. So what it is about, it seems to be about the money. So, it, yeah. you know, and, and I don't want to sit here and knock all the academies because I'm sure there's a lot of great programs that are, are fully invested in their players. And, and that is, you know, at the end of the day, they need to, to make sure they're breaking even at least, probably hoping 100%. to turn a profit. However, I'm sure that a lot of the most, most of them have their players' best interests at heart, or you at least I would believe want to believe that. But yeah. um, at the same time, you're a businessman. And you know, and you've seen it in the business world, and it is common sense that everybody needs to pay their bills and everybody needs to make a living. And, you know, if, you know, I know a lot of people, and I hate to say this, but I know a lot of people in the hockey world, coaches um, that run hockey schools um, that are very subpar, uh, that charge a lot of money, a lot of money. Um, yeah. whereas I'm, I'm the type of person right now, if anyone listening, if you're anywhere near Ontario, if you get the ice, I'll coach for free, let's do it. Like, um, you know, yeah. and, and that's, 
I'm not saying that's any, I just want to get on the ice, but I'm, I'm not saying that I'll do that forever. Because <laughs> uh, again, I need to pay my bills too, but coaching is never going to be my thing probably that way. However, what I'm saying is I would never just pump out a bunch of hockey schools um, just to make money. Um, unless yep. that hockey, unless I believed in the program and I was, you know, putting my all into it and I knew everybody I was hiring was putting their all into it and that every cent that those parents were paying, they were getting their money's worth, then I would do it. Yeah. But because I'll, I'll be honest, I've done it where I, I ran a, I tried to run this training business when I was all messed up a few years, like this is like 10 years ago and I did my best. Um, but I mean, I was in yeah. addiction and everything else and uh, it just, it didn't work out. Um, but now, you know, after making certain mistakes I made there and, and certain mistakes, now it's like, you believe you, you have to realize, and I hope people realize that like, like you said, these people are taking loans out, mortgages out to, for, to, for their kids to follow their dreams. And in most cases, it's not going to work out. And, um, and then not only do they have to pay for all that debt, now their kid is most likely or not most likely, but there's a good chance he's going to end up with some sort of mental illness or depression or, you know, because you didn't Guilt. make up to his expectations or, or whatever. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and that's, that's a great point, you know, and I think that, um, you know, guilt, guilt is the word that comes into mind for me, you know, and, and, and these kids, they know, they know that their parents are, and that's, that's when, that's when it starts, right? Like there's so much pressure on, on an individual and, and especially, you know, you mentioned it earlier, uh, going through puberty, there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that changes through a young man and, and young woman, um, uh, during this time. And, and if there's pressure, you know, it can, it can, it can do some damage to you mentally. And if it doesn't pan out, uh, it, it can, it can, you know, it can double, you know, it, it can triple. It's just, the, the damage I'm talking about. And, and the reason why is because you, you get a little bit of guilt. You're like, man, like my parents did everything, you know, they, you know, remortgage their house or whatever the case may be, but they got me to it. And they, they always got me through it. And yeah, you get, you get the success stories that, you know, uh, if you hear like the Bobby Ryan story, uh, you know, his, his mom didn't have anything and, you know, she did, she did everything she could to, to get him into the programs that he needed to. And, and, you know, thank God that it paid off for them. But, you know, wh what's the percentage now of uh, specifically Canadians uh, make it to, making it to the NHL? I think it's less than less than 1% or less than 2%. Yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's, I think it's somewhere uh, around one, Carson. Yeah, so it's, you know, that there's there's things that, you know, I would love to get, get uh, you know, uh, in touch with, with Hockey Canada or, or, or the minor hockey associations just to, you know, start start working on, you know, hockey is great and, 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 and that's the fun part of it. And especially at a young age, you know, you love to hang out with, with your buddies and, and go out on the ice and, and play, your, play your shinny and, and hang out. But, you know, I think that just like uh, dry, line, dry line training, um, it sh you should have some, some coaching as well, some life coaching. Uh, within the minor hockey association and, and understanding, Hey, uh, this is how life is, you know, uh, here's life after hockey. Um, you know, um, how to pay your bills. Um, what, how, how to, what's credit, how do you utilize credit? Yeah. Uh, you know, how to save money, how to put some money away. What's, what's the importance of putting money away? These are, these are the important things in life that I think that, 
not only um, adults uh, or, or coaches or or, or um, associations uh, don't get, but I think the parents need to open up their eyes a little bit as well uh, to realize, hey, you know, the the, the chances of, of my child making it. And I guarantee you, if you go into any trip, go to a Bantam AAA uh, hockey team and you talk to every co- every uh, parent and every single parent will tell you that their kid's going to make the NHL, <laughs> yeah. you know, and um, uh, it's, it's a lot of stress on that individual on the, on the child. And, and, you know, it, I don't have a son, but uh, if I did and he went, he was going through hockey, uh, I would just say, you know what, it's okay. You know, is it's okay not to make it, you know, these are the important um, lessons that I, I want you to learn and, you know, be a good person and uh, be honest with yourself and stay humble and, and work hard. And, and those are the things that I've really tried to embed into uh, not only my, my, my kids currently, but um, uh, my kids, but my, uh, my team as well uh, through my business. Yeah. And I, and I think those are, you know, it starts at home and you carry it on through your business and then vice versa, you bring it home. And I, again, that's what I talked about a, a few minutes ago when I said, you know, there are so many great things of, in hockey, like team building that we learn and, and so many things that, you know, I think, you know, sure, we know that we, we get these things from hockey, but I think we almost take them for granted. Like, oh, yeah, hockey's just a team sport. We got we to gotta learn how to play as a team or whatever. But do we really think yeah. about how valuable that is? Because, like, I know people that have no team skills at all. And it's like, I look at them and I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? But then I have to take a step back. (laughs) Then I have to take a step back. And then they could look at me with so many of the other things that I don't know how to do and be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Right. So you have to be be careful when I do that. However, I'm just saying that I can appreciate that I got the opportunity to play hockey so that I was able to acquire that skill. But you're right. There are so many things, just little, little minute things that could just... You know, just a little fix here, a little tweak here, just to teach them a little bit more and to implement them a little bit more to prepare them for, hey, this is life. what life is yeah. going to really be like. It's great if the, the whole story works out, but here's a here's a plan B. You know what I mean? And, and it's, now, always, now, it's always good to have a plan B. Sorry, Cars, go ahead. In, in the same breath, too. You know, um, you know, it, I'm, it's not all negative. It's, there's a lot of positive. That's just kind of the one part that, that, you know, I struggled with and I see a lot of kids struggle with, uh, uh, nowadays. But, you know, hockey is, is, you know, the, the, the friends, the, uh, that you gain through it and the competitive edge, um, you know, uh, the creativity, you know, all these things that you, you don't necessarily know that you're learning uh, at the time, but later on down the road, in, as, as you move forward through life, uh, you realize like, wow, okay, well, I can use that, you know, and, and you learn a lot. You learn a lot from, from individuals. Um, and I remember, you know, um, well, I'm just going to fast forward a little bit and we can, we can still touch on this. But, um, you know, when I was out of hockey, when I got out of hockey, you know, my dad kind of brought me into the car business and, and I didn't know anything about it. And, and I remember dad telling me, he says, you want to learn, you want to learn quickly? He says, start learning. Don't focus on the stuff that 
everybody's uh, don't focus on the guys that are doing the right thing. Focus also on the people that are doing the wrong thing. And that's where you're going to learn twice as fast. So, uh, and it's no different in anything uh, within life, whether that's in sports or, or in business or, or just in life is that you can learn as you move on by the mistakes of, of others. Yeah, that's so, you know, that's a really valid point. I mean, it's kind of, in a sense, common sense, but I've never looked at it that way. It's it's a very, shout outs to your dad looking down. Like, that's a, that's a very, uh, I want to get to that, but that's a, I like that. That's, I'll yeah. probably never forget that. I really, I really, uh, I really like that. But yeah, let's, I'm going to quickly jump back, uh, just jump back. So, you know, going through junior um, junior's a grind, yeah. junior's a grind, but you know, you start, you start getting some concussions, um, walk us, walk us through that a little bit. And, uh, you know, what, yeah. what, what it sure. was like to experience concussions, you know, back then, what were you being told? How were you feeling? Um, and, uh, did you have to make a decision to ultimately stop playing? Uh, and then where did you go? I know you, we, we know that you're in the car business and it worked out, but let's talk a little bit about the process of getting there. If you don't mind. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, you know, your dad's going to come into this story and I'll, I'll chat, chat about that here shortly. Um, but you know, after, after Notre Dame and kind of came back, uh, I played a uh, half season midget triple a, um, uh, with Ridge Meadows. And then uh, got picked up uh, and went went away from home and, and signed uh, my first junior deal with uh, the Grand Forks Border Bruins in the Kootenai League. And uh, I thought it was the coolest thing. And I imagine that you every every junior every player that's going into junior, you know, you want the you want the gear and you want the you want to wear the half shield. You don't want to wear the mask anymore. And and I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And and I was like, oh, and I remember, you know, I think it was. 17 years old and uh take the gray take the greyhound to grand forks and get picked up from uh from the coach and the coach drops you off at the billet place and okay we got practice tomorrow and da, 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 da. and so we went out went and practice and i was i remember being so nervous i'm like man these guys are going to be so much better than me like i'm just what am i doing here you know i'm going to i don't want to get sent home and and this is junior B, like, and, and it's a it's a it's a good league. I liked I liked the Cootie League, um, and I'll get into that uh, here in a little bit on re, on the reason why. But so I remember going out on practice, and I was like, ah, oh, these guys aren't aren't as good as I thought I was. They, they uh, thought they were, and uh, so we had a game, you know, a couple days later, and so I get marked in there, and and I see I was I was put on you know the third or fourth line, and I was like, oh, I'm like I'm usually you know a skilled guy, and and the line, we had a decent team at that time. And I'm like, man, I need to really play here. And I wasn't really getting uh, the ice that I wanted to. And I was just like, okay, I'm like, I better do something here before, uh, you know, I lose my spot and lose my opportunity. And uh, so I, I ended up fighting and I, I, um, I got into fighting. And, and I remember my first, we were playing Summerland. And, um, and I remember my first uh, first hockey fight, and uh, in junior, and I I instantly fell in love, and I was just like, "This is awesome!" Like, I loved people that hated me, and uh, w- when I was on the ice, and I was just I just turned into a little bit of a rat, and 
you know, hitting everybody that moved. And, you know, I, I learned how to fight. Uh, there was an assistant coach there that kind of taught me how to protect myself. And I, I managed to, to be able to, you know, take care of myself and take care of my teammates. And I thought that was, you know, I thought that was the bee's knees at the time because I was like, man, like these guys are looking to me to, help them out and I wasn't I wasn't a a big player but I you know I I love to fight bigger players and uh, I remember we were playing in Princeton one night and um, I fought the I fought this guy my dad came up uh to watch uh because Princeton's not too far from from Maple Ridge so he drove up to to watch and and uh third period comes along and there's this big 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 boy and I was like oh I'm gonna fight this guy so I ended up fighting this guy and and uh, cracked my knuckle open pretty bad. And I remember going after the game and getting stitched up, stitched up my hand and went to talk to Dan. Dad says, why did you pick that guy? I said, why? He says, I, I like to pick the bigger guys because I'm smaller. And, and if I get beat up, it's not going to look that bad. <laughs> you know. And uh, so Dad says, okay, well, good on you. And he went back and we jumped on the bus and we headed back to Grand Forks. Anyways, long story short, I still have the scar of my hand. Um <laughs> I, uh, I get back and I'm, and my hand was really, really buzzing. And I'm like, Oh my God, I'm like, there's something wrong here. So go back to my billets, go to sleep, wake up. And I've got like a, I wake up and I've got this black hole in the middle of my hand, uh, on the top of my wrist. And I'm like, what the hell? So go to the, go to the rink and I'm like, Hey, there's something wrong with my hand. I'm like, it's kind of smelling funky. And I'm like, what the heck's going on? So they bring me to the hospital and they cut me open and they went for a surgery and buddy's tooth was lodged in my hand and it was turning black it was rotting from the inside out and you know right then it was just like like and and sorry long long story long but um you know as soon as you as soon as I got to junior I started fighting and I knew that that was something that I I needed to do to kind of stick in the lineup um uh, for that that specific time and and uh, I fell in love with it and you know, at, at that time, uh, just before that, actually, I, I uh, your dad actually invited me to Swift Current Broncos camp and went there and played in the uh, in the rookie uh, rookie game against Moose Jaw. And, you know, it was a good experience being home and everything like that. But, you know, I just, to be honest with you, Brady, you know, and, and kudos to you, you know, you were such a skilled player and, and there's so many skilled, so many other skilled players out there that, you know, we're, we're, the, we're a lot better than me. And, and, and that's the truth. And I think that was the biggest thing is, is realizing, Hey, uh, this isn't going to work out for me. So let's just have a good time and, and roll with it. Um, but, um, you know, I, I made a lot of lifelong friends and some great experiences, uh, that, uh, that I'll, I'll live with and, and, uh, I wouldn't change anything for, uh, for the world. So, um, yeah, I, I'm greatly appreciative of, of hockey and junior hockey because I, I had a blast. Uh, nothing about junior I did not did not like, and and uh, you know, fighting fighting was right up there. So, well, yeah, and I mean, I was I was much the same. I think our style of game was was fairly similar. I think that's why we didn't get along on the ice when we played against each other. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know. You know, yeah. I mean, it, you know, playing at any level of junior, you're you're sitting, you're you're playing in the the top percentage of, of players in the country, uh, even playing junior B, right? So, um, you know, it's it's an elite level, and 
uh, fighting for me too was it just became second nature and I like how you put it too and it's uh, you know I was same with you I'm not very big with fighting the bigger guys and it was you know you start to feel good about you know finding a, a role and protecting your teammates and guys are looking at you and it's like okay and it makes you and it's almost uh, you know whether it's a whether it's right or wrong or good or bad um, it, it makes you feel a certain way and uh, in the moment like I said, whether it's right or wrong or good or bad, you do what you do, and and you know, like yourself, I I loved it too, and uh, I have no regrets. Yeah. No regrets as far as I just wish I maybe would have trained a little bit harder. But other than that, um, <laughs> not too much. Um, but you know, yeah. So let's talk about you know transitioning into the real world. You mentioned um, your dad got you into the car business. Uh, you've been working the car business for fuck it seems like ever. I remember like when you were working out in Abbotsford like years ago. I remember seeing on Facebook, like when you first started, I think you were out in Abbotsford or somewhere near yep. up there. And uh, yeah, that seems like forever ago. And I think it was forever ago. But um, transition into the real world, your dad got you a job in the car business. Um, but, you know, I mentioned in the introduction, uh, this, um, this whole episode is really in memory um, of your brother, I mean, of your in. I, I wanted to do it in your dad's memory too, because um, I know you. You know, you lost your dad a few years ago um, to cancer, and we could talk about that. I know you guys were best friends, and um, that was a, a very tough loss for you. Um, but on top of that, you lost your you lost your brother um, to just a tragic overdose, and I don't know a whole lot of details about it because it's just I don't even know how to bring it up. Um, but I think it's important. Um, you know, just if if you're willing to share a little bit about it, because, you know, I've been through it and, and you've been through it, but from, uh, uh, your brother looking at having watched your brother, um, go through addiction. So, um, how long if first off your brother, PJ, uh, he was younger than you. If you want to talk a little bit about him, by all means. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I've got no problem. Uh, you know, obviously that's, that's part of, of being on here is to, to spread some awareness. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there's going to be some people that are listening that may be dealing with some, some same, uh, some of the same situations that, that, that we've dealt with, uh, with our family. But, um, yeah, my brother was, he was, he was, um, five years younger than me. Um, you know, uh, I I would say that, you know, PJ was a little bit of, I wouldn't say he's a black sheep, but he was just kind of a little, kind of went by his own beat of his own drum kind of thing. And, and he, you know, dad and I were so, so close and, and dad would try to do things with him uh, while he was, he was a little one. And, and um, you know, PJ was just, he was just a little bit different. He just, he just liked to do his, his own thing. And he liked things that, that, you know, we didn't really like and it was um you know he did he, like i said he was his own person and, and that was probably one of the best traits about him and uh my brother was um he had a massive heart um he always cared for people and he wanted to uh wanted to help and make a difference and and uh we always wanted to to make people feel feel welcome and feel feel happy you know you you always crack a joke uh 
when things were a little bit awkward or, or, or he was just one of those guys, right? And, uh, he was a boxer. Um, he started boxing when he was, you know, 15, 16 years old and got into competitive boxing. And uh, he was a big boy. Like I, I was, I was a little bit smaller, but uh, PJ was, uh, you know, at 16 years old, he was like six two, probably 200 pounds. Like he was, he was a big boy. And, you know, he got into this boxing and he got uh, a bad boxing injury. He, he tore his, uh, his shoulder and, um, at a, at 17 in a tournament and, uh, ended up getting uh, prescribed some, some stuff from, from the doctor, uh, pills. And, um, you know, that's kind of the start of, of, uh, of the end, I guess. And I would have been 22, 23 years old, kind of just getting into my career. And, and uh, like I said, you know, after hockey, it was a little bit depressing. I didn't know what to do. And thank God for, for my dad that, that helped me kind of give me, show me, a, you know, an opportunity. And I kind of ran with it. And thank God it, it, it turned out uh, okay for me. But, you know, PJ was, PJ was lost. And, and you know, I, I remember, you know, when he was 18, 19 years old, 20, um, you know, we, we were pretty close and, and we'd go out, but he was, you know, short tempered, you know, I saw him drinking more and, and, uh, I didn't really think too much of it, Brady, um, until, uh, you know, I think it was around the Olympics. Um, yeah, it was, it was the Olympics. I think it was in 2010, uh, that we were going down to watch a game and, uh, we were at, uh, my parents' house and I remember he was like, okay, well, you want to have a couple drinks? So we were going down to, uh, going down to a pub to watch a game anyways. And, and I remember him grabbing some pills and throwing them down and like, like lots, like a handful, like, you know, four or five. And I said, what, what the hell are you doing? You know? And, and I, I wasn't, I wasn't big into, into drugs. Uh, so I, I didn't know, really know what, what he was taking. I was like, what are you taking? Like, there's all other perks that don't worry about it. He's like, I'm good. He's for my shoulder. And, but he, t- he's a big dude and he took like four or five of them and slammed a beer. And I was just like, okay, well, that's, that's not normal. <laughs> and, um, so as it progressed, you know, it kind of got worse and, he started distancing, distancing, distancing himself from the family. And, um, you know, it was just kind of a spiral out of control there. And, uh, he admitted to me, uh, and my, my now wife, uh, she was my girlfriend at the time, Summer, um, uh, that he was, uh, he was doing an Oxycontin, um, almost daily. And, and then it just kind of spiraled out of control there to, to doing heroin. And, um, you know, it was, it was hard on the family and, you know, there's, there were some tough conversations that we've had and we tried to get him into some rehabs and, uh, successfully did. Um, uh, one of the last times was he was, uh, in, I think it was called, I think it's called Safe Haven in Abbotsford. Yep. And, uh, he was in there and I was working in Abbotsford. I was, uh, a sales manager at the time, at, uh, at a Dodge store in Abbotsford. And, um, I was living in Chilliwack and mom and dad were living in Chilliwack and, uh, I would just, I'd go and check up on them every day. 
and hey, how you doing? Yeah, great. No, I'm doing good and feeling good. And I'm like, okay, great. And he says, what do I do after this? And, and I said, buddy, I said, don't worry about after. I says, we're going to, we're going to get you through this thing. And, you know, um, whether, whether I need to get, get, whether I'm, I'm going to bring you on or, or we find something for you. And he was, I remember talking with him and he's just, he was so, um, upset with himself because of disappointment. He was so scared of disappointing his parents and, and disappointing me and, and, and my sisters. And he's just like, I just, I feel like such a failure. And I said, buddy, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is. Like we just, we just have to deal with it. And, and, you know, looking back at it now, Brady, I just didn't, uh, I wasn't, um, I wasn't educated enough to, to handle that situation. You know, I, I never thought that it would end up the way that it did. Um, uh, I would give up a lot right now just to, to, to go back to that time so we could spend, you know, spend more time with him and, and try to, to work on his recovery and, and, and get him back on his feet. But so anyways, uh, fast forward a couple of weeks and he got kicked out for um, uh, having having drugs on them uh, within the facility, which is my, you know, blows my mind just to, to hear that is like, you know, you'd think that you'd have a little bit more, uh, you know, um, security with, with that, situ- that situation, uh, considering that you're, you're a drug rehab and nothing against them whatsoever. It's just, you know, it's, it's the individuals that are in it and they, you know, everybody make everybody has a decision to make in their life, and and he decided to make the wrong one. Uh, anyways, they kicked him out, and um, you know, uh, I tried I tried to help him uh, as best as I could, and, and so did my parents. And I know that you know my parents, and my siblings, uh, and myself, we took it pretty hard because you know we didn't know we didn't know how to help him because we we weren't sure you know. Was he going to steal from us? And there was a lot of times, um, you know, uh, I was living in Chilliwack and this is after he gets kicked out. And, you know, it's, uh, sorry, it's tough to talk about here a little bit. <clears throat> um, Take your time, buddy. Take your time. You wish, you wish you could do more, um, you know, and, and selfishly. Uh, I had two daughters and, and a wife and I knew that I couldn't trust to bring him home. And he, he was the type of guy that he said, you know what, I'm, I got, I'm good. I'm, I'll, I'll figure it out. And you're thinking that he's okay. And then, and then all of a sudden he'd call you and say, Hey man, like, you know, it'd be raining out and I'd try to go down to Chilliwack and try and find him, find him and bring him home, have give him a shower and give him a hotel for the night and send him on his way. But, it was he was living a, a horrible life for for a couple of years there, um, and then um, sorry. Um, May twenty fifth, uh, twenty sixteen. I was working a car deal, I remember, and uh, I went to talk to a customer and came back and my I had two missed calls from my mom and, and a voicemail and and it was almost like I was waiting you know we were waiting for the call and 
I kind of knew, I knew right away without calling, you know, what, what, what kind of happened. And, um, I didn't end up checking the voicemail. Um, I texted my mom and, and said, Hey, what's going on? She should come, come to our place. And, uh, so I did, I jumped in my truck and, um, with the auto group that I was with, uh, that I'm still with, they've got a really good support system. Uh, and, uh, I called an individual that was, was kind of connected with the, the group. And I said, Hey, this is a situation. He had some experience with, uh, uh, rehabs and, and I said, what do I expect here? And he says, uh, well, I think that you should expect the, expect the worst. And, he kind of talked me through it and talked me through the process. And, and sure enough, we showed up to, to, I showed up to mom and dad's and police were there. I remember. And, and mom and dad were, uh, you know, obviously beside themselves. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was the worst day of my life. You know, yeah, there's, there's so many things that, uh, you wish you could do or, or say. And, um, I, I think about him uh, every single day, and he would have he would have turned twenty nine uh, in two days here on Sunday. So, yes, so, sorry, cars. I don't want to cut you off. And I I meant I I forgot I I messed that up earlier. I thought it was the anniversary. It was at his birthday that coming up. I'm sorry, uh, PJ, for fucking that up. Um, pal, look it down. Um, but cars, I can appreciate how, how emotional, and I think you did extremely well. And I think everybody will appreciate, uh, how hard that was for you to get there. And I think you did a remarkable job, but before you say anything else, let me be the one to tell you and to tell your family, um, not that this changes anything, but, and I'm not just saying this and I, and this is the truth, um, from somebody that's lived that side of it. Um, P in PJ's shoes. Uh, there's nothing more you could have done. Um, unfortunately, and and I hate to say you can lead a horse to what a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. It is so true. I went to rehab. My family tried everything. You know, my dad gave me over a hundred thousand dollars in one year once, just because I would call him with all these bullshit lies, all these stories. Um, oh, I owe this yeah. drug dealer money, which sometimes it was true. But then after the first couple times when it was true, guess what? How many times I did that and I lied to him like enough, you know what I mean? Um, but my dad knew yeah. that if he didn't give me that money, well, I'd probably go do crime or I'd probably end up ending up in some worse situation. So it's like a catch 22. Um, so in a sense, you could say he um, enabled me to a point, but. I mean, after he cut me off that way, I went to Hastings. I'm very lucky I didn't die. But, I mean, my dad just couldn't financially do it anymore. Emotionally, he couldn't do it anymore. Um, so, I mean, I'm telling you, there's nothing. There is nothing that you guys could have done. I am sure. I am sure knowing yeah. you uh, well as well as I do um, yeah. that you guys did everything in your power. And, and whether or not, Carson, you were educated enough um, you can't, you cannot, you, you just can't know that stuff. We were not in that, even it was 2016, we're now 2020 in the last four years, the, uh, research, um, in the opioid crisis has changed and, and rise dramatically because of cases like PJ's, unfortunately. Um, yeah. but 
there is just nothing you guys it is such a hopeless state um that yeah. he would have been in um and that you, and it makes you guys be in because you love somebody so much and you just want the best for them and and, and yeah. you could see that they want the best and they're hurting and there's just nothing you can do and and, and ultimately if you're listening if you're listening to this and you're an addiction I don't know what the answer is. Um, there are so many treatment programs out there, and I loved what you said because I have something written down here um, in pen that I wrote down at the beginning of this podcast that says revamp recovery. And then you went ahead and said, with the addiction center kicking them out, and I agree 100%. I've seen it a million times. I've actually seen it where guys get kicked out, relapse, and die. Do you know how many people yeah. I know that have died of opioid? Um, uh, I couldn't even tell you. I've met over 1,500 people probably, like met, whether I'm friends, acquaintances, yeah. in addiction, whether I bought drugs off them or, or, you know, did something with them that was shit, you know, in some low-life way. Whatever the case is, um, I know 1,500 people or more that have died from overdose. And um, it is, it's insane. Um, so to revamp recovery, like why, you know, are we punishing people? I get it. You have to hold your treatment centers to a standard. And if you let people use once, then you're setting a, a standard and, and you let people, you, you know, you give them an inch, you, you, you take a mile, but, um, there's yeah. a certain delicate situation here and yeah, I, I'm really and looking at revamp recovery with everything, with the holistic approach, with being mindful, with taking everything into consideration, with, with relapse, with not punishing relapse, with giving guys long-term um, aftercare programs. Like, that yeah. is where the answer is. You can go to, you can go to rehab for six weeks, uh, uh, six months, or a year, but if you don't have a plan after that, you're fucking beat. Pardon my French. Yeah, you're beat. Yeah, sorry to say. So well, I, I, I want to. Sorry, cars. I want to let you talk, but I just want you and your family to know that there's nothing. Don't. I know there's nothing I can say to bring them back or to make you feel any better about it. However, please take it from me. Do not, do not sit there and try to figure out or or kick yourself for trying to do. Say you could have done more. You you simply could not have done more. Unfortunately, what happened happened. And the only person that yeah. could have done more is him. And the sad thing is, is most people, once they're in that state, don't know how to do it. And I certainly didn't. And the only reason I had a chance is because I got arrested and I was forced to go to jail. And if I didn't go to jail, I would have died a long time ago. I swear to God. I swear to God. There's just no way yeah. I would have survived it. So, Cars, um, you know, I I'll let you uh, carry on there a little bit more. We'll wrap up probably in like 10 minutes. But... Uh, we've been going for like an hour and 15 hour and a bit. Not that it matters. Yeah, but, sure. Um, you know, it's, it's almost one thirty in the morning here, but um, if, you know, I want you to, I didn't want to cut you off there, but you know, I just wanted, I needed you no, no, uh, and your fine. family to hear that um, because I think it's really important. And I think you have an opportunity and I appreciate, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that story. Like that is um, one. It's uh, took a lot of courage and strength for you to get through that. And I'm sure your mom and, and, family is uh gonna appreciate it as, as hard as it may be um but the way that yeah. i look at it is this um forever now um you know this podcast will be in in online forever uh as long as there's a server up um and, and his story will be out there forever 
um, and, and hopefully it can help somebody, right? And, and I believe it will. Um, and, yeah. and ultimately, that's what we, that is what we need to focus on is not what we could have done, but what we can do. And, and, and simply, yeah. if we can just focus on what we can do, as hard as it is, because, you know, regret and looking back and catch 22 and all that stuff and i mean you look at even things you little mystics and i mean you have a pretty nice life cars you made a lot of right decisions not a whole lot of wrong ones but i mean i'm sure you've made a, a few wrong ones with businesses back in the day or or making career choices anything maybe it didn't cost you huge but it, you could look back and go man if i would have just done this or if i would have invested here we would have had this but that goes for everybody so it's not about doing yeah. that. It's about what can we do. So if there's anything else that you want to say or, or uh, you know, talk, yeah. talk about your dad or your brother, because we didn't get to that. But I mean, I'm sure I'll have you on again. This is this podcast will be a long running for years and years to come. And we have lots to talk about um, with lots of stuff we're doing down the road. But I mean, um, if there's anything else that, that we missed, by all means, fire away. Yeah. Oh, uh, and, and I'll, uh, I'll be quick for you, Leo. And, and it's just, um, you know, First off, I, I, I greatly appreciate uh, you having me on. Um, you know, at the end of the day, as, as the reason why you, you've got this podcast is to make a difference and in, in a positive way. And that's been one of my, my goals since I was, you know, you know, since PJ passed is I want to make a difference. And not only in, in um, addiction. And, and you know what, there, there's holes in everything. There's holes in, in rehab and there's holes in, there's, but, but at the, there's holes in business, there's holes in life, there's holes in your personal life. There's, there's always going to be issues. There's always going to be obstacles. But, you know, uh, if, if there's someone that's struggling with addiction or if you've got someone that struggles with addiction, um, I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head when you said, you know, it's up to them. And I always tell, you know, uh, my salespeople and, and, and the people that are around me that, you know, uh, there's always going to be problems. And if you look yourself in the mirror, there's your problem and there's your solution. And I think that we all have choices to make in, in life. And sometimes we make the wrong choices. Uh, hopefully we learn from them. And sometimes we make the right choices. Uh, sometimes uh, we're dealt the, the right the right cards and, and we get a little bit of an upper hand on life. Uh, and sometimes, some, sometimes not. And, you know, um, I think that PJ would have been very successful in life if he made it, made it, made himself through. And, um, but he, I think he made the wrong choices and, and I know that my mom is going to be listening uh, to this and, um, I just want her to know that, you know, it's, she does it. She needs to let, let go a little bit. And I know that it's tough and, um, it's, uh, you know, you just, you try to be a good person. And, you know, my parents were, were the best parents, uh, someone, you know, a kid could ask for. And, um, you know, sometimes, and that's, that's what scares me with having kids now is doesn't matter, doesn't matter, you know, how good of a parent you are. Sometimes, you know, that individual has to make, make some decisions and they make the wrong decisions. And, you know, after PJ's PJ's passing, uh, we're unfortunately uh, I know that uh, my mother-in-law and and my dad were were diagnosed with cancer within 
you know, three months of PJ's passing. So it was kind of, everything was kind of rocking in the Grant households uh, up, up to that point. And, you know, uh, the cards kind of came down on us and we just, uh, it, 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 it made me realize it kind of changed my thought pattern on life is that, you know, and like I said at the beginning is everything happens for a reason and it's up to us uh, how we react and we're the problem and we are the solution uh, to uh, to our lives and, and the people within it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we lost dad, uh, who was my best friend. Um, and I lost my mother-in-law and it, it, my mother-in-law, we lost her two years ago tomorrow. Um, so my wife's, my wife's having a little bit of a tough time and then my brother's birthday is obviously on Sunday, but you know, so it's a little bit of a tough weekend and I, I, I just wanted to say, you know, if, if you're struggling with addiction, if you're struggling with uh, mental illness, it doesn't matter if it's with drugs or whether it's, you know, mental illness or, or anxiety or whatever, whatever the case may be, uh, go and seek some help. Uh, there are some great, uh, great sources out there to, to improve your life. And Brady, uh, you know, it sounds, sounds like things are, are moving in the right direction for you. And, um, I'll, you know, I'm, I'm super proud of you, man. And, um, uh, you know, we've known each other for, for quite some time. And I just want to let you know that whatever, uh, whatever happens, uh, I just want to let you know that, you know, I'm a call away and, um, you know, I see you as a brother and, I wish you nothing but the best, and and I I know that you've got a little one on the way, and and that's extremely exciting for you and 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 Taylor, and and I I wish you nothing but the best, and uh, like I said, uh, I'll always be your brother, and uh, I'll always be a call away, uh, no matter what. So uh, I greatly appreciate you having me on, and and uh, sorry for keeping you up so late. Yeah, don't apologize, Cars. Um, I want to say hi to Summer um, and the girls. Um, thanks for letting me borrow your dad. Um, I know one's sleeping, um, but I know Summer. Uh, which one's the oldest? Madison. Madison yeah. and Charlie's the little one. Yeah. That's right. Okay. Maddie, Maddie and Charlie. So shout outs to the girls uh, and Summer. Um, Carson, keep doing what you're doing. Anybody on Vancouver Island, go see Carson at Comox Valley Dodge. It's in Courtney, yeah? Yep, you bet. And uh, yeah, you and Summer keep doing what you guys are doing. They, you guys do a lot of great work in the community. We didn't get to talk about that, but like I said, we'll do it again soon. Um, I, I look forward to you know building on our friendship and and the the day when we actually get to shake hands again and hopefully play a round of golf at the Bear. Yeah, you you bet, buddy. Well, thanks for having me, and, and like I said, I love you, buddy, and and keep on doing uh, doing the right thing. Likewise, buddy. I love you too, and we'll talk soon. Okay, buddy. Bye. Guys, that's one of my good friends, Carson Grant. Uh, shout outs to the Ridge Meadows Rustlers. Uh, I would like to say um, that my son, Brody, uh, is a Ridge Meadow wrestler. Um, at least the last, to my knowledge. Um, uh, I saw a video back in uh, a couple years ago, and I've posted it since from 2016. He actually got the Ridge Meadow Wrestlers Player of the Week. 
I'm getting tears in my eyes thinking about it. I could watch that video and cry every single day. Um, I miss my kids like crazy. Brooklyn and Brody, I love you guys so much. Uh, I'm sorry I don't talk about you more, but I was asked not to. I wasn't going to say this, but I was asked not to. And uh, I can't do it anymore. Um, I've been quiet for too long. I've held back for too long. I've been told no for too long. And guess what? While I was being told no, I was messing up. I was making mistakes. I'm not making those mistakes anymore. So why am I not seeing my kids? Why can I not build a relationship with the two people that I love more than anything in the whole entire world, along with uh, the other beautiful kids that are in my life? Um, but simply, I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing, um, working on myself, and you know, helping to improve the lives of others. I cannot wait till the day I hold you guys in my arms again, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you guys so much. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for the support. Guys, you know that this episode was proudly, proudly brought to you by Team Issued Limited. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal guys head over to teamissue.ca use promo code toedrag15 to get 15% off your total purchase guys they got snapback hats hoodies uh, quarter zips uh, golf shirts yoga pants kids clothes they also have a second brand ish short for team issued check it out guys teamissue.ca anywhere on social media at team issued guys i hope you enjoyed that one carson grant thank you once again um you know like he said guys if you're struggling reach out to somebody please you can always reach out to me but if it's not to me please please reach out to somebody there is help there are people who care i am one of them and i know there's so many others that care as well guys i make a choice right now and every day to be happy, to enjoy the little things, and to be grateful. And I always choose to have a great day, and I hope you do the same. So remember, have a great day, if you so choose. <laughs>